I'm Krista Tippett, and this is On Being's Unheard Cuts. You're listening to my unedited conversation with Tiffany Schlein. Download the MP3 of our produced show with her at onbeing.org. I'm doing great. Oh, you're a little soft. Um, okay. Okay. Hello. Hello. Hi, Tiffany. Yeah. Hi, it's Krista. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's good to <laughs> What meet a you. pleasure to hear your voice <laughs> you like <too>. this. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad we're doing this. Oh, you're coming in a little quiet. Okay. Um, a little too quiet. I think so, Chris. Is working on this um, at the other end. Is that getting better? A little bit, but um, so Chris, do you think that's on our end or? Okay, I couldn't even really. It was it was just below me understanding what she was saying. I just heard a. Um. Can you? Uh, so you should you should be able to turn up the volume at your end yeah. as well. Is that better? Okay, that sounds that's much better. Yeah. Okay. I'm just pouring huh? myself a cup of tea. <laughs> oh, that sounds lovely. It's a rainy day here in San Francisco, <laughs> so I wish I had a I wish I had a cup of tea with me. <laughs> um, Chris, do we need levels? I don't want to talk about anything meaningful until we're actually going. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's be superficial here for a few seconds. <laughs> okay, um, let's talk about tea. Yeah, let's I'll talk tell about you about tea. that. I just tell me. Tell I just me. got off coffee, and so I've really gotten into tea, which is lovely. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I start I I moved to morning tea from morning coffee a few years ago, and then recently I've been talking to somebody about my adrenals. <coughs> um, I've been learning a lot about adrenals too. Oh my it's such gosh. a funny word. Yeah, and then I have this <laughs> cranial sacral person who says, "Why are you flogging? Why do you continue to flog your adrenals?" And I'm like, "Tea, tea." It was like the entire British nation drinks about twelve cups of tea a day. People all over the world drink tea, and I refuse to give it up. Wait, I'm just trying to get over the flogging your adrenals. That's such a horrible visual. I don't. I, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> well, I, you know, isn't green tea like the best detox? I'm doing like yeah, it turmeric is. and. But I really like. Ginger tea. I really like a strong cup of black tea with the milk in it. Okay. But I'm not. I think I'm going to let this be my, you know. Yeah, I'm the thing really I, trying the rule to. I break. Yeah, and get off all the cat. I mean, I. I January one, I and I love drinking a cup of coffee in the morning with my husband. But that that's that's what I miss most is just that ritual. Um, well, the great I, thing I about coffee off. is that there is actually great coffee, great decaffeinated coffee, great tasting decaf. Now, so I need to. You don't like that? Uh, no, I I should try that it because I yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, I I'm think we have that. successfully been superficial here. For oh wait, wait, Chris is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. To, I really. Are we? Okay. There, everybody's enjoying our small talk. Okay. I just. I, I'm. Yeah. I'm so happy to be doing this call. Um. You know, I just came. I just came from Sundance, and um. Oh yeah. You know, I don't get starstruck by uh, movie stars, but I'm a little intellectually starstruck. <laughs> All right. Well, get over that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this is about you. Also, the one thing I know, I know you and Maya had, had an exchange. So 
So just what I want to be clear is when I see, I, you know, you've, you've been interviewed a lot and you tend to be interviewed about this film or that film. And obviously we will set up your films and, and you know, oh, they'll yeah. get mentioned. No but this is really about you. So I, I, really, oh, want, I yeah. really want to explore, you know, this, the, the life and the mind that goes into, into the work you do, you know, the films and, and other things you do, and, and also what you learn, you know, what you take away from it. Does that make yeah. sense? No, I, okay. I love that. That I okay. yeah, I love that. That's the nature of the call. Yeah, the and that's not to say that it can't can't be brought up, but that's but I'm focusing it a little bit differently. Okay, so Chris, two thumbs up. <laughs> All right. Um, so I I I wonder how um, how you would. So I, I wonder about what you would see now or think now. Of uh, think now uh, as the think of sorry. Let me start over. I I wonder how you would start to talk about um, what you would call the spiritual background of your childhood. However, however you would define that language now, looking back. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely changed how I would describe it. Yeah. But I think um, you know I grew up as a, a cultural California Jew. Hmm. With two parents from the Midwest, they were both from Detroit, and you know we were culturally Jewish, but I wouldn't say religious. And I understand, you know, my grandfather um, escaped when he was sixteen from Odessa, Ukraine, hmm. and was put in the back of a hay truck. And he never wanted to talk about it. And as an as a young adult, I learned that his whole family died in the Holocaust. Yeah. And I think that that probably colored. Um, my father's experience in his home, um, we, you know, we did, um, I'd say both my parents were more on the agnostic side of things. And we went to High Holidays in Temple in a, a pretty big reform temple that I personally didn't feel a lot of connection to. Um, we didn't celebrate Shabbat, which I do now. And I, I realize how profound that probably would have been had I done it. Mm. But it was a very you know, intellectually curious home, a lot of questioning. Um, I would say we probably felt the most spiritual when we'd go river rafting, which we did hmm. quite often. And then yeah. personally, I, I used to see auras um, for a long time of my childhood, which my father, you know, was really interested in. And um, hmm. I don't think at the time I <laughs> would have defined it that way, but it was a really special um, thing to be able to see. And I felt like I was tapping into something larger than myself. Well, you know, um, it seems to me when you you have this passion for connection and even character, and, you know, mm-hmm. to me those are, to me those words have, have spiritual aspects. Um, you, you know, not necessarily a transcendent aspect, but, or a religious aspect, but, um, and it seems to me that you do describe roots of of your, you know, your commitment to something like connection and character mm-hmm. in gro- in growing up with your parents. Yeah, I mean, they had a. I'm very close with both of them. Um, I mean, my father's no longer here, but I still feel very close to him, even more so now, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I think if you if there was some bigger thread, I think trying to tap into something larger than ourselves and this sense of connectedness, whether it was through my early career with the Webby Awards and um, 
talking about interdependence and connectedness with technology, but then as I've gotten older, really looking at it on a much more emotional inner inner plane too. Um, yeah, but it's been an interesting journey on my thoughts about it. But yeah, I think that's right, that, that that's been a through line in all of my work. I think it was in your connection film that you talked about, you know, you grew up with your father who was, you know, a, your your version of Einstein. You called him dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was really intrigued. I'm really intrigued by how um, it seems like your father was always making these fascinating connections between breakthroughs in art and breakthroughs in science and that that mm-hmm. space. And that that's also something you've 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 kind of, um, you know, moved into that lineage as well. Yeah, I think um, a lot of my, I mean, I'm so, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. I mean, I, he wrote this book, Art and Physics, which looked at the parallel visions in these two worlds and how um, artists and scientists are often talking about the same ideas, but ones with images and ones with equations. Mm. And then, you know, ended up, actually, the way I met my husband, who uh, is an artist and a scientist, is he went to hear my dad speak and um, we fell in love that night. And a lot of our work, we collaborate on a lot of stuff, projects together and exploring art and science is a strong connection. And then my mother, when I was growing up, was getting her PhD in psychology. And, you know, her explorations of the inner world and emotions and how much that drives what we do, that's been a big part, too, with the character work. Yeah. Did you know that Einstein said that a sense of wonder and a reverence for mystery, that this is something that is at the core of the best of science and religion and the arts? I love that. I mean, you know, actually Einstein, who, um, you know, my father wrote about a a lot. I mean, he was a part of a lot of my bedtime stories from my dad. (laughs) But, um, you know, I've wrestled a lot with um, questions around religion and the word God, and I really have wrestled with that because it it does shut me down even though I, if I don't use that word, I'm more comfortable. But I remember hearing, um, I read this great chapter, um, I think it was Walter Isaacson wrote it in like a profile book, but of all, all the rabbis and theologians questioning Einstein whether he believed in God. Mm -hmm. And he finally, um, he finally said, I I have a humility for the complexity that I don't understand and an awe. I mean, not, I'm not yeah. saying exactly how you said it, but yeah. that, spoke, that has always spoken to me the most. I mean, that, when I read that, I just felt this amazing sense of connection and relief and <laughs> an articulation of my own sense of my place in the world and a reverence for this larger complexity. Mm. Um, yeah, so his ideas on that really spoke to me. You you have this lovely quote um, that seems to really this this idea to me seems to infuse a lot of what you do and what animates you. It's from John Muir, the naturalist and, and environmental philosopher. That when you tug at a single thing in the universe, you find it's attached to everything else. That's also a wonderful mm-hmm. line. Yeah, and that's just that's the interdependence of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I. That is probably it's just such a a wonderful framework to think about your role in the world and how you can contribute and other things and I I, I you know I spent a good four or five years on a f- the film connected which kind of started the film off with that quote and ended it and yeah right 
to me, it encapsulates um, our whole essence, <laughs> the whole essence. You know, it's uh, and uh, interdependence. You know, the I think a lot about America and the Declaration of Independence and. You know, I, I worked on this uh, poem, which became a film or whatever, about um, a declaration of interdependence. Yes, yes. Which to me feels much more in line with um, who we are, where we are. I'm especially oh, a lot of stuff on the airways is so divisive and yeah. attempting to show how we're different and the independence of ideas when really interdependence is such a healthier way to kind of proceed in this world, I think. And I think um, something I so admire and really want to kind of delve into, which is, is I see as kind of the kind of the big the big or part of a big vision behind everything that you do, which is you know really stepping back from as you say what we can the story we we tell ourselves about ourselves through what's in the news today. Also, the story that we tell so often about the internet, and you know, you are really making a connection between um, the fact that our brains are designed for connection, and the internet is an extension of our brains. That it was made to connect data, but now it connects us. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing this digital world that we that we often kind of define as something separate from us and even something that's tyrannical that's taking over our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, making this connection to I, I love I love first of all just the connections the the analogy um, that, that you draw with with the brain with our brains and with human connection and I think it seems kind of obvious to you. And it's one of those things that seems obvious when you say it, but it's really not the narrative that that we have running through our culture. Amazing, yeah, yeah. I think people, yeah. I'm very interested in um, neuroscience. A a lot of my work is kind of grounded in that, and um, yeah, we we seem to talk about technology as as if it's other than us when we've created it. It's a reframing. It is an extension of our abilities. It's an amplification of our desire to connect, of our desire to do more. To con- I mean, so it is us. And when we are good, bad, and everything in between. Yeah. And so if you can talk about technology as a force for bad, but you can also t- talk about it as a force for good, or you could just talk about it as an extension of us. And if we're mindful about the way we use technology, we can shape it. And it's not something that's overtaking us. I think a lot of people talk about, oh, I'm so overwhelmed with technology. Well, you can turn it off also. And that's been a really profound um, thing for me. I was, you know, very immersed in technology. My husband's a professor of robotics and we were very into it as a tool and, and philosophically and all of these things we just talked about. We talk about it a lot. And then you know, when my father um, and I, you know, my father wrote a lot about the brain, and he was a surgeon and operated on it. He um, he did get um, brain cancer, which mm. um, was very difficult. Um, and I'm sure anyone who has had someone really close to them dying, um, 
when I would go over to see him for sometimes it was just one good hour a day, you know, we would turn off our phones and just be incredibly present with my dad. And um, when he died, um, I my husband, before he met me, actually right when we met, he, he practiced Shabbat. He grew up with Shabbat. He did not work on Saturdays, and I thought that was incredibly sexy because <laughs> who doesn't, like, work all the time anymore? I was like, that is so wonderful. He just had such boundaries about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, as the iPhone and everything started slipping in, that went away. So when my when my father died, I just I said, Ken, I, can, we, can we as a family and we have children, can we, um, can we turn off the screens for Shabbat? And um, we call them our technology Shabbats. And I cannot tell you, we're now just starting our seventh year of doing it. And um, it has been the most profound thing. It's incredible, going back to what you originally asked, it's incredibly empowering to also know that I needed to turn it off and that I could. And we made this family commitment to do it. You're right. And I find that having just that day without any screens, without any technology, is, is such a beautiful rebalancing and... Um, I think more deeply. I'm more reflective. I think about the bigger picture. And then, you know, and also, you know, it was a wonderful day with my family. And then um, on Saturday night, this kind of dual effect, which I didn't expect at all, is that <laughs> I kind of reappreciate technology all over again because I'm very excited to, like, oh, I have a thought that I want to look up and I look it up. And, you know, it, it every week lets me um, find balance and then reappreciate the technology that we have all created and use all the time to extend our minds and connect with people. So um, that has been a really interesting practice that's um, helped me have a lot of thoughts about connection and, you know, connecting broadly is meaningless unless you connect deeply and being present with the people you love and all of those things. And that's not discounting the incredible value I find from being online, which I do. I mean, I... I think I first learned of you online and just like-minded souls and thinkers, and I love it all. But I also knew that I it was too much for me, and I think it was too much for—I think it was taking away more when everyone was on all the time. Yeah, so, so you're—you um, know, you're, you echo something that— um, that's come up in, in many of my conversations across the years, including with Sherry Turkle, who I, I think is a friend of yours. Yeah, you know, yeah that, she's a friend. That the internet yeah. is in its infancy, and it's up to us to grow it up, that we're, that we're the adults in the room, whether, whether we yeah. feel like that or not. We need agency. We, we mm-hmm. need to have agency, and that's a framing mm-hmm. of what it is to us. It's an extension of us. It's not this other thing that somebody's doing to us. Yeah. And then, you know, you're, it seems to me that, but, you know, that, and there's, there's great nuance in the way you're doing this because you're, you're also saying um, that the web, um, that the internet and this technology makes connection possible. It's an engine of connection. And, and that, that growing it up and, you know, shaping it to human purposes t- for the world we want to live in and we want to raise our children in. Um, means you know delving into it in that spirit and also at the same time knowing when to unplug <laughs> right yeah and being mindful mm-hmm. yeah being mindful in the way you <clears throat> you use it i think um it's an incredibly powerful tool and having um 
Yeah, being uh, <laughs> actually the word mindful. I have to tell you the new word that I I love to ground the word mindful. Okay, which is so used everywhere now. Okay, it here is, it is. It's one of those overused words. Yeah, I know it's so overused. It's yeah. lost its meaning. Yep. I hate it when a word gets to that point. I'm like, oh my god, that word yeah. just lost its meaning. <laughs> so yeah. here's the word that grounds it is metacognition, which is meta, you know, <laughs> thinking about thinking. It's the same thing, but it's so much more like it grounds it in science, which is exciting to me, and it mm-hmm. has kind of teeth to it yeah it kind of it kind of secures itself to the ground yeah (laughs) (laughs) i i i do i i think that's true of so many words we actually need the most they get overused and then we have to and and then we have to surround them with an ecosystem of other words like that (laughs) i know i oh trust me i have yeah i uh yeah I, I really do feel like I, there's that moment, that tipping point moment where the, the word loses its meaning. And then I want to create a new word because when it loses its meaning, you stop thinking about what it is. It just becomes right, too yeah. hackneyed. And then that's why metacognition, I really think about it whenever I say it. It's so visual <laughs> to me. It's a word you have to think about. <laughs> yeah, metacognition. Um, and I mean, you you point out, is this true that there are more connections still, like neural connections in any yeah. single human brain? than the entire internet possesses now. Ch- a child's brain. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. I, I was doing this film about um, called Brain Power, which looked at uh, the best way to nurture a child's brain. And um, and when I found out that fact, I and I at the time I had a young child. It was birth to five is the, the, the biggest growth period of a child's brain. And we were trying to show how incredibly important it is to support a brain in that those years. Mm-hmm. And... Um, when I learned that fact, it was as – and we tried to create a visual. I mean, one of the most exciting things for me is when I learn something and it's such a mind-blowing piece of – an idea or whatever. And like, how can I visualize this to help people really understand it? And it really – yeah, it's, a, it's an, an awesome fact. And again, that's another word, awesome. <laughs> if you think about the word awesome, full of awe, that's a very big word. Oh, but you're it so has right. become yeah. – yeah, <laughs> it's become. But that is truly an awesome. Can we use that yeah, word in the yeah, right way? Yeah, it's an yeah, awesome no, I like fact. It. <laughs> well, and 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 here's another one, a little bit less overused. But you know, you even you, you even single out this word Ubuntu, which is a South African word, and and I, it, it it's been, um, you know, it's been put on T-shirts and it's been quoted oh, so much. This yeah. this beautiful philosophical principle and kind of way of being that was there. As apartheid yeah. ended, and and uh, and it it kind of means uh, I am because you are, oh, and I've yeah, seen so that beautiful. watered down spiritually. I think, but mm. you know, you say that uh, that principle, in fact, is a perfect way to think about how the human brain develops. Yes, which is a wonderful oh, analogy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, I think. I think being a parent, I mean, there's kind of nothing more incredible than experiencing that firsthand with watching mm. your children respond and grow and uh, to you and and guiding and modeling and all of these things, too. I mean, I, I think a lot about the modeling, even with my work around character and, um, you know, Gratitude and all of these things that you hope to instill, and um, 
Yeah, it's interesting. Like we um, we we recently made this film that kind of explored um, Musar and being a mensch, and and Musar is kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the Jewish lens of. Um, the science of character education, which was very exciting for me to learn as a Jew. I had never known about it before. Um, and so there's this Jewish practice of 100 blessings a day. Like, you bless everything and however you want to. And, of course, I don't get to 100, but I do really try to take them. <laughs> yeah. The, the rabbi, the rabbi, he's becoming a rabbi, and he's a wonderful teacher of mine, um, Amichai Lulevi. And oh, yes, I know he, him. He is, he's terrific. Yeah. Oh, he's so He's your fantastic. rabbi. Well, he's, I mean, he's really been, <laughs> he's been my, I mean, you know, I made the, okay, long, on my journey, I, um, out of the blue, I, I was not engaged in my Judaism at all. I was doing the the Webby Awards and, you know, I had met Ken, who was Jewish. Your, your husband. My, yeah. My husband, sorry. Yeah. And I hadn't really dated Jewish guys either. And, you know, I'm a blonde, blue-eyed Jew named Tiffany, so most people don't think I'm Jewish. <laughs> it's always a choice for me. I, my last name doesn't, there's no, it doesn't have a Jewish spelling. So um, I was doing the Webby Awards and, you know, just met Ken and, um, you know, I was invited out of the blue to this um, something called Reboot, which was... Uh, yeah. I, have you heard of that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But so say it what like it a is. Gathering, it's, yeah. But, Brought together Jews who weren't really associated with Judaism, but were in Jewish culture or in the culture and popular culture. And we get invited and I go on this event and I meet Amichai, who was like the teacher there. And he just rocked my world. I love the way he was really the first person who talked. You know, I told him how I was uncomfortable with the word God. And he gave me all these different words. I mean, I don't even know if he said interdependence, but I probably say that in my own mind. And then he taught me. Uh, also that Israel means to wrestle or to struggle. It's yeah. actually with God, but yeah. I don't say that part because I really think that that exemplifies a lot of Judaism and Israel itself is to wrestle and to struggle. Um, but he, you know, so I met him, I guess that was over 10 years or like 14 years ago. And then, um, you know, he's he's a very good friend. And he, yeah, he teaches me a lot. I mean, I also have a wonderful rabbi in San Francisco Rabbi Noah Kushner, um, who I'm working with with my husband on our daughter's bat mitzvah. Hmm. But I, wait, why was I bringing him up? Oh, I think I was bringing him up because he, when he told me about 100 blessings a day, he was like, you know, people that truly do this, they're blessing when they go to the bathroom. They're blessing like a sunrise, a rainbow. And I just love the specificity of um, blessing every moment. Yeah. And um, anyway, so my our, our children just, I think them seeing us really try to and I, we don't actually just like say ble- we're blessing this moment we we acknowledging an incredible moment and um and it's wonderful to see them really start to do that now and um you know if if any of us can't sleep for whatever reason to just think of all the things we're grateful for i mean just all these practices um yeah, that sounds so schmaltzy as I'm saying it. I don't know. No, why. <laughs> no, but but what I what I really love is I love how you're so so the the kind of intellectual creative side of you is is thinking about growing up the internet to its greatest potential and it, yes. in fact its character yes. and its its potential for incredible connection. But you've kind of been working with that idea. As you are becoming a mother and as you're thinking about healthy child development techniques, and in fact, it's a, it's yeah. a perfect analogy, but again, it's not, um, 
it's not the way we tend to think about our well, actually, lives with technology. I love technology. what you just said about character in terms of the internet evolving, mm. that we proactively can evolve the internet and infuse it with um, character strengths. Yeah. You know, that that is really a framework to think about a healthy evolution of the internet. Instead of um, throwing your hands up and saying this thing is out of our control and it's yeah. doing all these things, is like we, just as we're raising a child, um, we need to shepherd this to its maturity and, and infuse it with our own sense of um, character. Yeah. Good character, whether, yeah, I think that's right. So, I mean, let's talk about the, the character work uh, a, a little bit. It's, it's really, well, I mean, so, I mean, just to, just to keep on, on that along those lines. I mean, so I definitely, I definitely connect those dots when I look at the different things you're working on. Um, you know, you talk about how a child's brain and our brains, you know, are always pruning as we get older. Yeah. And that what we pay mm-hmm. attention to gets stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you pay attention to less gets pruned out. Yeah. Um, and I think you've also yep. suggested that, you know, like the human brain, so we, we've all, those, those of us who are adults now have lived through this thing, this phenomenon, landing in the middle of our lives and in the middle of society and really turning everything inside out in ways that are still playing out. But you said, you know, there's this possibility that once the once it has just proliferated, um, that it might begin to prune. But again, as you're saying, I mean, it's it's up to us, right? What direction that takes? Absolutely, I think that's incredibly empowering too. Yeah, if you think of it that way, and um, yeah, like I said, you'll have more agency and. And creativity, and um, it's exciting if you think, oh, wow, we, we're at this point in, in human evolution in our civilization where you have this tool that's creating a nervous system um, for the whole world, and we can shape it, and we can prune it, and we can strengthen things that are important and weaken things that are not as important or not yeah. good for yeah. society. Um, so, you know, I think... I mean, it's interesting because, and I, you know, there's so much, kind of going back to the character, there's so much science, neuroscience and social science that's kind of backing up what we believed to be true. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And I think you could put technology in the scientific bucket of how people, like if if you don't feel like you have a good sense of technology or science, you just say, I I don't have a good sense, which you, you should always be engaging with it because... You know, you can learn anything <laughs> at yeah. different levels. But I think kind of bringing um, those ideas that you can – and I think really – what was so exciting to me about learning about like Seligman and Peterson's work and, you know, that they looked at character virtues and strengths all throughout cultures and history. And, yeah, and the, they, the whole idea of broke positive, positive psychology. Yeah. Positive psychology, yeah. yes. And they broke it down and they made it accessible and tangible. And I think that with the internet and with technology, if people find ways to break it down and make it accessible, I mean, even for me, whether it was the technology Shabbat and having some 
way to engage with it that felt more comfortable to me. Um, I think that's really important. Um, and so there's the the this model um, of positive psychology also has kind of a periodic table of strengths. Yeah. Is we, that right? We kind of put that. That was our visual. That was again. Yeah, right. The periodic what table. What exciting yeah. visual can we, <laughs> people will be able to play with in their minds. Yeah. yeah. So we made a periodic table of character strengths. I, I think what's also accessible and empowering about that is um, your emphasis that, that that it doesn't say that you have to possess all of those wonderful qualities, but that you that 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 we do have some strengths, and that focusing on the strengths you have and practicing the strengths you have is also your contribution. Yeah, and and focusing on the strengths of others. Mm. You know, if you the people around you have strengths, to recognize them and actually makes them stronger for them too. And the, again, the interdependence of strengths and. Yeah. And then also, you know, when I learned about the kind of Jewish version of these ideas, which is um, called Musar, the way that they talk about it is that we all have just different levels of these um, strengths. And you can work on them to, you know, build one up or take it down. And actually being in, in, in different situations, you need to learn how to dial something up and dial something down, mm-hmm. which I think that's been really interesting to think about, too. Because it's not all that – they don't talk about all strengths as good, like positive psychology. They talk about, like, everyone has strengths that you would never say are good, like something like envy. And But that if envy motivates you to actually maybe get a new job or do something that – could possibly have it could be useful in some situations mm-hmm. and things like humility that you you know you you c- can dial up or down humility in different situations and it's all about understanding how much space you should take up um which i i, I think it was a, it was a little bit of a shift for me in the thinking after i learned the positive psychology movement which i found really interesting and what was the shift for you well, even something like humility, which I think is a beautiful um, attribute. Um, and then I thought about, you know, being a woman and a woman director and, you know, yeah, there's times be, where... Yeah, it's tricky. Humility can be well, tricky. Well, you, on the one hand, okay, like, okay, my, or if your instinct is to be humble, but then there's another part of me that's a complete feminist and I know that we need to keep pushing it forward. And a lot of times if women don't say what they've done, it won't get said. And it's not in the history books. It's not, you know, all this. So then there's another part of me that's like, well, I need to make sure that what a woman has done is known. (laughs) So there's like inner wrestling with me. But it's a little, you know what I mean? It's Yeah, but then I think, I also think that's then, then it comes down to how, because humility is another one of those ruined words. Um, I know. Right? It's flattened out. And like, I think it, then it comes down to how do you define humility? Because I, I actually think... How do you define it? Well, I've actually thought... I th- well, it's interesting that you asked me. Because I, I actually... I was, I was at Divinity School when my daughter was born, my first child. And so I was doing my version of what you're doing. I was studying theology and I was um, thinking about these ideas. And so I was reading at that point, you know, about humility in the Bible and about hmm. what what Jesus always talks about, the humility of a child. And I think I had hmm. exactly the same reaction you did as a woman 
to me yeah. to be humble was to be ineffective and ineffectual. But right. I started to look at that word all the way through the text and the Hebrew Bible as well. And I, I realized that I think spiritual humility is actually not about making yourself small or about debasing yourself. It's about giving up, having a proper awe before everything else and everyone else. Mm. Right. I mean, so, I mean, you can break that apart, but, um, so no, then I, I like think that. It's word. almost like your place in the larger context. Yeah. That you always are coming from understanding where you are in the larger interdependent context of the world. Right. It, yeah, to put it in into that wonderful framework that you use. Yeah. Huh. I love that. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a word you're right. That's a word. I mean, there is a zeitgeist with character, which is exciting there for us. There is. We're, it's know. developed in the same period of, of your interest in this. Okay. Well, actually... Wait, I want to ask you if I can. <laughs> I, um, you know, we were really, we did this event called Character Day because we felt like when we tried to look up information about it, there was all these silos of information about characters, the education, there was people from the religious, there was people from this. And it wasn't all in one spot. And we thought it'd be very powerful to have a global conversation. That also, I think a lot of it has this eat your spinach feeling to it. Yes. And we yeah. tried to make it more exciting. Yeah. Yes. But my question for you is, why do you think there is this resurgence of the discussion of character right now in the 21st century in the last couple of years? What do you think that's about? <laughs> okay, I'll give you my answer, and then you have to give me yours. How's that? Okay. <laughs> well, so, okay. I mean, to me, so a word I use probably more than character, but I actually think it's completely um, connected, is the language of virtues, right? Or right. the, or the yes. language of wisdom, which which is different and mm. wisdom is one of those is one of those strengths but i think yeah interesting character and virtues which to me are <clears throat> maybe the practices that add, add up to character um mm. and i find i mean i was going to ask you so i find also that the language of virtue for example is um that people who are a bit older sometimes it has baggage to it because it's it's like what they remember from Sunday school or from, mm-hmm. you know, going to confession or something. Um, mm-hmm. But I find that younger people are find this language really magnetic. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, it's the, the, again, the language I use more is virtue. But I wonder if you find mm-hmm. the language of character and, and those, you know, that periodic table of strengths like wisdom and humility. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What else is on there? What else is on there? The, um uh, yeah, probably kindness, humor, yeah. humor. Yeah, yeah, I love it that humor is on there. Yeah. Oh yeah, humor is a big one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I love humor on all of this stuff because a lot of it is very. Um, it's been done in a dry context, <laughs> and I think humor really with any intellectual idea just makes it move more easily yeah. in your mind. And um, I always try to bring that lens, the the humor and irony of certain things. Well, I also just think humor. I mean, I haven't met a wise person who who doesn't know how to smile and laugh, especially oh, at themselves. It's just a true. Great point. Yes, it's a litmus test. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to put it. I'm just thinking. Uh, oh, I just heard Gloria Steinem speak, and I find oh. her incredibly wise, mm-hmm. and she laughs with almost all of her wisdom, and mm-hmm. I was noting, God, she, every even when she's delivering the intense stuff, she's laughing, and mm-hmm. I absolutely love that delivery, because you're, you're open, I mean, usually in, in my films, I will try to make people laugh, 
right before I want them to think deeply. Because mm. when people think they know how they feel about something, um, their body language, everything is kind of tight. And you make them laugh, and immediately their body opens. And I always feel like I can go in deeper with the idea or into their heart or their mind or both at the same time, hopefully. And so I'm pretty deliberate. I'm like, okay, I have this big idea coming. I must make them laugh with either a line or a visual if, like eight seconds before. <laughs> it's not that scientific, but I do think that way. How much laughter is that's important. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Do you think that the, that the openness and curiosity and kind of um, the, the, the way people feel drawn to talking about character, talking about virtues, do you think, do you think that has something to do with um, the fact that, uh, that, these, that this discussion and these, these, these traits were carried forward in time by our religious traditions? Like, I mean, you, and then you've, you've gone back and found it in Judaism, and it's such a rich, rich vocabulary. It's such a repository. But I think um, in recent generations, pe- people had a lot of baggage um, also from traditions. Yeah. And, and now we well, have a generation th- that's grown up without that formation. Yes. That's what I think it's. Right. I think there's a hunger. I mean, you know, the Pew studies about yeah. the millennial, I mean, younger people, religion as a whole going down. I mean, that, and I'm speaking about America right now, but I've been fascinating with the Pew studies. And, and it speaks to me too, because I don't feel a strong sense connection to a religious, I feel very Jewish. I mean, that's like a whole other conversation. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think that, and one of our desires was to really, not decouple it, but to make it um, show the unifying elements from everyone. Like this isn't particularly tied to one, you know, ideology. This is applicable to everyone. Even when I discovered uh, Musara, which is kind of the Jewish science of character, what was very exciting to me is to not have it tied to if you're religious or not and really free the ideas, which are very powerful. And I think people are hungry for this larger compass and and way to develop yourself throughout your life and as a parent. So I think people are hungry for these ideas and they don't want them to be tied necessarily to religion and which has a lot of baggage to it and um Yeah, although I, I, I also think, think your story of 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 discovering these things um Outside the boundaries of religion, and then rediscovering, and then going back in. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. Well, and redis- it's like that scene from The Godfather, and then they pull me back in. No, I. But, but I. It but was that's beautiful. also it the was actually- that's also what that's also the uh, the trajectory. A lot of times. Well, I have I have such love for Judaism. I mean, I <laughs> I, I I do. I mm. just you know, and and. It, I just um, I love the uh, the questioning. You know, I wrestle a lot with it, and I think that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. I love the humor. I love yeah. you know the food and the um, the traditions. I you know I love the tradition of Shabbat. I love Passover. I love these traditions, and I for me it's been about finding a way in that. Um, that shut me down for many years, and um, Musara was a way in, and then and then once I'm reconnected to this, you know, very old these these ideas that people have been wrestling with right. for thousands of years, I feel so, you know, it feels so wonderful that I'm part of this 
very long conversation with right. my people. So that's another, <laughs> it's another point of connection, which is your word, yes. right? It's a connection oh, back absolutely. in time. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it is absolutely a connection back in time. And yet, you know, and I also, but it's very also exciting to me. Um, we're going to be working on a film um, for Character Day um, coming up that's going to look at the common, the ways people think about character in all the different faiths mm-hmm. and that look at the commonalities. And that's, you know, a comparative religion. I took that at UC Berkeley. I loved it. And I think thinking about what what brings us together on these ideas? What is the yeah. common ideas around character in Buddhism, in Christianity, in, you know, Islam? I mean, all basically, we spend so much of our time talking about the differences. And if we could make a film that would show all the things that we connect on, I think that'd be really powerful. And for atheists, too. I mean, hmm. people that don't believe, but they engage with these ideas around character. Like, everyone's part of this conversation. So, um, so if we if we think about this work of, um, you, you know, really, really, what what we're talking about here, if we if we combine these different sides of the conversation and kind of these different sides of your endeavor, you're talking about growing up the internet by growing up ourselves, right? Like growing up mm. our spe- speci- species, species oh, evolving. I love that, right? Yes, of, yes. Um, so, and I feel like you have a lot of, um, you, you're you're close to a lot of, a lot of what we're learning on this frontier about how we interact with technology and what it does to us. I mean, you've talked about how when you gone out with your films, you realized how um, concerned people are about this and about what technology is doing to our brains. So talk a little bit about what you know. And, and one thing I want to ask you to explain more about is this, this MEG imaging, M-E-G, mm-hmm. and what we're learning through that. Yeah, yeah, people are very concerned. I mean, um, it's it's kind of feels like there's a hysteria right now about artificial intelligence, which also is an offshoot of that. Yeah. But... Um, you know, on some level, um, I've been really interested, you know, in neuroscience as it relates to creativity. And there there are studies that, you know, you need to let your mind wander more. I mean, I that is an area that I feel that, um, you know, it's actually when you're, here's another, you know, daydreaming, spacing out, going for a walk doing the dishes, taking a shower, your mind goes into this whole other mode that is really important for creativity. Yeah. And we are spending so much time in our every spare moment looking at that screen. And it, that's actually not great for creativity if you're doing it all the time. And, um, you know, what they found is that your mind goes into the, you know, default mode network, which is it's almost like you're taking a journey in your own mind and you're exploring what's already in there and you're making connections you wouldn't normally make because when you're doing focus thinking you're kind of deliberately thinking but when you're daydreaming you are making unusual connections and unusual connections are really where I think creativity comes from yeah so um you know I think that that does con- you know concern me and I feel like people really aren't making any space for um daydreaming <laughs> Um, And do you feel like uh, carving out your Shabbat, um, just even like sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, does that then 
permeate the rest of the week where oh, you yeah. are presumably oh, texting yeah. and emailing as much as the rest of yeah, us. Yeah, and I'm doing what everyone else is doing the other times. I'm not like some Puritan person who, you know, I feel so creative on Sunday morning. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I feel so a lot, you know, just energized creatively and a lot of new ideas. And then I do. It feel like it infuses the whole week. And also, I mean, even today is uh, Shabbat, and I'm, I'm so excited to unplug tonight. I, I look forward to it. Mm. And, you know, at the beginning, like any addiction... <laughs> <laughs> I had to like you know, you know, withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Like, yeah. and usually on Friday nights, I have like a piece of paper with a big sharpie. I love to write on, with a sharpie; it's very satisfying and it smells mm. really good. Mm. And I write on a big sharpie pen. Like, I start just like almost emptying out my head of thoughts of things I'm supposed to do, and then it slowly quiets. And then I kind of quiet. And we do, you know, we do a lot of cooking. We always have people over on Shabbat. We do a lot of art projects on Saturday or biking or whatever. But it's just very, it's a very, uh, oh, oh, wait, this is the other thing that happens that really ha- I find <laughs> fascinating is time slows down. I, I can't, most and people that's a, say. That is an, that's, a, that's a huge, huge sentence I mean, for us, right? I mean, because going, time is such a bully. Going back to Einstein, where he talks about how, um, you know, the theory of relativity, how your, your state of motion, you know, that is a perception issue. And I feel like when you're turning off the technology you are slowing down time. You're slowing mm-hmm. down your mind. And mm-hmm. most people that I run into, I mean, it's just that Sunday, and I say, like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. I mean, that's everybody's <laughs> right, response. I'm right, like, I don't, right. I don't want that to be your response. Tell me something interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But everyone feels overwhelmed. So this amazing thing happens on Friday nights, you know, uh, and Saturday morning. And my husband and I, Ken and I still joke. We'll just be like, well, what time is it now? Oh, my gosh, it's only 8 in the morning. We've done four <laughs> things. You know, it's like... <laughs> Time just goes ridiculously slow when your phone is off, and uh, so. So how old? And what's the start going? Go oh, I was gonna say the one day you want to feel long is Saturday, right? That's yeah. your day off. And you uh, get so that. I love, yeah. That's... Do, um, so you you started doing this in 2010, and so how old were your daughters? That so how old are they now, and how old were they then? Yeah, so um, my eldest daughter is uh, Odessa is almost thirteen. She's about to get oh, on this wow. food, which has been really interesting. And then my our younger daughter uh, Bluma, she actually was born um, just very shortly after my father passed away. So she's grown up with it, and you know my father passing away was the impetus to doing it. Um, but um, so she's six, almost seven. So and, do, you, um, you, do you, they, you have a sense of how it, this has shaped them? And also I'm yeah. curious about how – does it become challenging in different ways at different ages? I mean now that your oldest daughter is a teenager. Yeah, she's – you know, and she loves being online and, you know, but she um, – you know, it's part of her identity. I, You know, a lot of people say, oh, our family could never do that. I'm like, yeah. you know what? Yeah, you could. <laughs> You you are the you're the parents in the house. You could it's modeling. Again, <laughs> That's right. It's you're the, the grown ups in the room. Right. Again. Yeah. And I, it yeah. amazes me. Like oh, and the funny thing when I at screenings and stuff, people you know the parents are so worried about their kids. And then if I do a screening at a middle school or a high school, they'll say, oh, my parents are on their phone all the time. <laughs> and so it's like it's we're modeling. <laughs> That's you know? it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think Sherry my, Turkle talks about that too in in her research that it's really yes. the parents who have trouble who's who are letting their exactly. technology get between them and the children. Exactly, but Odessa has definitely it's a part of her identity. She proudly tells her friends, you know, if they come over, she's oh yeah, we don't use phones. And it's amazing how many people need to full, pull out their phone all the time to show you something, and you know, we don't do that either. <laughs> 
So when people come over, we're like, oh, you can't show us that. So I just tell us about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We don't know the answer to that question, and we can't look it up. So we're just going to have to think about it. What could that be? <laughs> and then, um, but, you know, we save that day. You know, sometimes we'll do, uh, you know, it's just, it's a different, it's got a different rhythm to the day. And she loves it. So I'm not going to do any homework today. I, I can't wait to just have a day to just not have to do anything, which I think we all feel that way. And, you know, what I find is that your inbox is, it's just affecting your mood. Like, yeah. the worst is, you know, and I still, I, you know, I use it as my alarm clock, which I know I shouldn't. And I know all the studies. It's horrible. I read a lot before I go to bed, if but I still use it. There's one more thing to feel guilty about. <laughs> oh, I know. But if you, you know, it's that horrible thing where you're all relaxed, you're in bed, and then you check your inbox. And that one email that might stress you out, and then that'll just ruin there your night's is, sleep. Yeah. And, yeah. So um, I think it really just puts pause uh, every week. And I think it's the it's the habitualness of it, too, because some people will say to me, oh, I do that on vacation once a year. But for me, it's the beauty of Shabbat, really, is this it's the weekliness of it. Yeah, building it and into ordinary the, time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's that um, what Heschel talks about, um, a temple, temple of time. Yeah. And um, that to me is the power of it that's the complete power of it is you know and whenever if we're if i have to be traveling for something and i can't do it i feel kind of unmoored you know which happens several times a year i'm not with my family so i have to show a film or speak yeah, something yeah. and i feel off now i mean i've just done mm-hmm. it enough that i'm like ooh, i just feel off i mean to the addictive um, feeling of our relationship with our technology. I mean, would you say a little bit about what we're learning about, you know, the the, the neurotransmitters, like the you know the oxytocin and the dopamine, and how how those things, and and also not in necessarily in ways that seem terrible, but what's released in our brains um, oh, as yeah. we interact I mean, with these devices. It's very similar to, I mean, I'm not proud of this, but in, in rebellion in my 20s, I smoked and um, I know what that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'd have a cigarette in my mouth and want another cigarette and I would be like blown away that that thought could happen. Um, and, you know, when you're on an email and you want to check for a new email, I think yeah. it's the same thing. But yeah, dopamine and, the, but I mean, the good news is that the, um, and dopamine, it's also, um, things that make you feel good, things that make you want more, like food or sex, or you know, there's all of these things that you can't be satiated with. Right, right. And then on the flip side, with oxytocin, I mean, this is what I love: is oxytocin is the hormone, the love hormone. It's when when women are breastfeeding, they they get flooded with oxytocin, or it makes you feel trusting, and it's made it makes you want to collaborate. And um, they've shown that when you get a text or an email from someone you love or someone you feel connected to, you get a rush of oxytocin. So there's a part of me that thinks that the reason why there's all these collaborative businesses on the rise, whether it's Airbnb or Lyft or, you know, all these companies that are growing on the Internet that are all based on collaboration is because we are a wash of an, we're a wash of oxytocin. <laughs> like right, we are right. so filled with it that we're just wanting to collaborate. <laughs> yeah, no, you'd use that this language of the or participatory revolution fueled by all that oxytocin pinging around. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's on my most optimistic days. I'm like, that is what that's a beautiful thing, um, and of course, not in a Pollyanna way. I know there's a lot of very 
bad things happening in the world. And I do, and I, you know, I do think about those. I, I've chosen in my life, I, and I feel like we're surrounded with such um, bad frameworks on everything with the news generally. Yeah. That I just feel like I can contribute best if I come from a, um, actually my husband and I call it opticism. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, it's wait. optimism and optimism and skepticism um, combined okay. and merged. Opticism because we're optimistic but realistic because we're, yeah. we're we love history and grounding it in the past. But I really choose to focus on what we can do instead of feeling overwhelmed and drowning in all the problems of the world, which I think about a lot. But I just I just choose in my films. You know, a lot of documentaries are very depressing. Yeah, yeah. And I just have chosen that I want to make films about important issues that will make you laugh, think, and really inspire you to kind of try to shape it yourself and try to feel agency and empowered to do something. Well, I mean, the other thing I think a lot about is, I mean, the Internet is is a new and very powerful oversized screen for the old human condition. Right. I mean, there's nothing mm. that happens online that doesn't have an offline corollary. Right. And I mean, right. I, like, here's some lines of view that to me is just another way of saying that. You said people talk about technology as if it's this other separate thing. But I feel like it's a technology of our hearts, our brains, our desire to yes. connect, to learn and search for knowledge. I mean, as you said, it's not just that because it has it has all of our qualities. Um, yes. But it's a, it's both it's a both and or. A multiplicity. <laughs> no, it's, and, it's, it's amplifying uh-huh. everything that we are. Uh-huh. It's, and that's, um, that's the amazing thing about it. And, and I think that's a great framework to think about it because, it, yeah, you can do more with that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to think about it. You use the word beauty a lot when you, when you talk about technology. Do and I? I, just, I wonder, yeah, or it's beautiful, <laughs> you know. Um, I wonder, you know, what, how do you, when I, when I, if a, a phrase like that, that, that language of the beauty of technology, hmm. what, what's that filled, what are the connotations that that's filled with for you? Huh. I think that probably, just as you're saying it, I hadn't really thought about that, but um, just, you know, growing up with my father, writing art, writing art and physics, that, you know, the beauty of, of math, the poetry of an amazing equation and code and that they, I mean, I, I think um, art is, yeah, I think beauty really can be applied to everything. Um, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I think that's where I'm coming from, is that I I see art and science the way he taught me to see it, which is that they're just one's images and one's equations and numbers, but they're the same, they're, they're they're showing us the same ideas, but in different languages. And he he goes all throughout history and kind of charts examples of that um, in that book. Your your father yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> if you um, um, so when in terms of this work of the internet being in its infancy and how we are, how its foundation is us, in fact, and how we are building its foundation, like. What do you? Where do you see this happening? I mean, I'm so with you that it it would be so wrong for us to suggest that you know everything's wonderful and there's not this profusion of um, well everything from pornography pornography to violence that can also be amplified um, 
mm-hmm. by the internet. But that's not the whole story, and that's the story we usually tell ourselves. But so I wonder, like, yes. where, where would you start? Yeah, where, yeah. What would you start pointing at that you're aware of? I mean, you're out there talking about this stuff. What do you? Where do you see this? This hopeful. Um, character-driven foundation being mm-hmm. built. Well, going back to one point you said I, that I think about a lot is just things that become self-fulfilling prophecies if we keep saying mm-hmm. it. I think that with the internet, I absolutely think about it with the uh, the women's story that we're always not we're not enough of this. We're not enough. You know, we're not enough board seats. We're not enough directing jobs. We're not. I mean, I never right. think it's such a different way to think about the world is coming from what we're not instead of for me, which is like, where are we? Where are we on the arc of history? And um, how can we shape it moving forward? And I think you asked me about examples. Did you say examples? Yeah, of, like what? Like what? What would you point at? Where would you shine a light? Where you see this happening in just large ways or or small, but. Yeah, where it is this thing we we would we would want it to be. We would hope it could become. Yeah, I mean, I um, I'm very excited about the moment of everyone being online, which I think is going to happen in the next five years. Everyone who wants to be, which will be a very large proportion of the population. I I feel like the wisdom and the different perspectives that will come together and come up with new insights. I mean, actually, again, going back to the neuroscience of a child's brain, that there's a there's a point in the development of a child's brain where all the different parts of the brain are connected, that they can have their first insight. Hmm. And extrapolating that out to the internet, you know, we're, I think, at this point, 60% connected and and the moment that we can truly get everyone on the internet connected, imagine what that will be, the insight that will be able to happen when we have that many different perspectives coming together in one network. Hmm. And I think the challenge is going to be to create enough collaborative tools to make that happen. But that's very exciting to me. And um, I, that makes me incredibly hopeful. Would, would you and, say? I mean, I ultimately. Going, yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say that. I believe in humanity. <laughs> that just, I feel like there've been a couple moments where we could have knocked the whole, you know, huge swathes of the population away, and we didn't. And I think on a really bigger picture, I I, I ultimately believe in humans, and I believe that. We're going to evolve. Um, I think, it, you know, like anything with progress, it's two steps forward, one step back. And there's always going to be these parts of us that aren't great, that are horrible, that are violent, that are always going to be there. But I think on a whole, when we get everyone online, I think you're going to see amazing things happen that we can't even imagine. Um, would, would you say that you, you co-founded the International Academy of Digital Arts and Sciences and, and, and the... And the Webby Awards, I mean, would you say that that's a way, that's like a tool or a platform for Absolutely. for calling out character and goodness and excellence? Um, yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, what was so exciting um, when I founded the Webbies back a long time ago, it's almost, it's our 20-year anniversary this year, which is crazy. Um, and that's when I used to do it full-time, and that was my whole thing, which isn't the case. And now I'm making films full-time, but I, you know, it was really about 
this this very young medium that we wanted to set the standard of excellence and say this is the best. Just like what you're saying, if we put it to character, these have the best attributes and strengths on the web right now. Here's excellence, and now push beyond it next year. And next year, it always, you know, you're you're constantly raising the bar of what is excellence and what are strengths, and um, yeah. and you help you help evolve something just like with your like you were saying earlier with your if we're raising the internet, <laughs> um, you know, you're you're helping to um, develop it. Yeah. It's funny now because they're called web developers, and I just thought of that in a whole different way just now. It's <laughs> so true. Web developers. Yeah. We're all developing it. <laughs> yeah, well, also, yeah, exactly. And to that point, <laughs> if you think about, like, you do make this connection, you know, think about growing up the internet in terms of what is healthy child, what are healthy child develop, yeah. development techniques. You're right. It's wonderful. Um, and just what you said a minute ago about self fulfilling prophecies. I mean, we know if we were raising a human being in the world, and we were constantly, you know, generalizing about them and their future on the basis of the worst thing they did. You know, this mistake exactly. they made. This this flaw, this character flaw. Thank you. Yes. Right? That's the news. That's yes. how we ruin them. <laughs> oh, I just, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, that's what I find, like, if we're just constantly saying the worst of humanity, which is the news. Yeah. I mean, I, that is what you're hearing. And if you're raising a child, just bringing, I mean, that would be the worst way to raise a child. Yeah. Instead of this is what you can become. This is where you need to go. These are examples of excellence. You're saying the worst. And, um, yeah, I'm tired of that. I think yeah. that's a lot of my feeling, like a calling to make my films is I, just a different perspective. Yeah. Get people thinking in a different way and. Yeah, I'm dreaming I mean, in a different think, way, I think. Yeah, and um, what do we want this to be? Let's think about it together. Let's. I mean, my films, I've always kind of, most of my films come with like a book that goes with it, yeah, discussion yeah. cards. Like I've always thought of films as the appetizer and the discussion that you have afterwards, the main course. Mm. So mm. I'm trying to provide you with all of these different ways to open up your mind to an idea. Mm. Um, and the first time I did that was with The Tribe, which explored... Yes. American Jewish identity through the history of the Barbie doll. And we, we, uh, such a great tagline. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, being a blonde blue eyed Jew, like I told you, named Tiffany, I could relate to this kind of. And Barbie was actually created by a Jewish woman, which was the great irony of the 20th century that a Jewish woman created the ultimate shiksa and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but when I, we made, that was the first film we did, like a really robust discussion kit. And it was very exciting to me because I love tactile things. I want the film to get you to laugh and be emotional and to think. And then here's all these other tools where you can go delve deeper into that subject. And um, because I, you know, I just, our goal is really to, we're all moving so quickly in this world. And uh, that's why I love your show. I mean, I feel like when I, I, drive into work and your show's about exactly my length into work. It's like, oh, I get to think deeply about something. It's very countercultural. It is, minutes, but yeah. we're all moving so fast. We yeah. need these moments where we're going we're gonna to have a conversation that's deep and um, we want you to go deep. And um, that's what we hope in the busyness of our lives that we can create space to think deeply about things. And even if it's in a short film, I mean, I love making really short films about really complicated subjects. Like, 
it's the ultimate creative challenge. Like, I want to, like, this very complicated thousand-year history of science of character, and I want to try to distill it down, like, marinating a yummy sauce. <laughs> and that is so much fun for me and my writing mm-hmm. team. I write with Ken and Sawyer. I've got a great team of people I've worked with for years. But, um, you know, Mark Twain, my favorite saying about, you know, condensing things is a Mark Twain wrote to somebody. He said, I'm so sorry for writing such a long letter. If I had a lot more time, I would have written you a much shorter letter. <laughs> I think Mark said that about Das Kapital as well. <laughs> and, and, well, and, I, and, I, and I, I also think that's why um, that the sweep of your thinking and the way you, you're, you t- you're talking about this and putting it in film and, and helping people talk about it is on the one hand about seeing the big picture, pulling back from the panic of the moment, but also things like, you know, talking about a weekly Shabbat, these very, these, these very practical things about how do we build this into our lives. I mean, I notice you've also worked out, I don't know if this is formalized, but some like rules of in, in, etiquette for the internet age, I would say, with, with Sherry Turkle. <laughs> like, and so, I mean, can you share a couple of those? Just like, like Oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> We need those kind. We really do need those we kinds do. of things well, to hold on to as well. We have a joke where, yeah, when people write really long emails, like who's gonna read them right now? I mean, we we and so the hundred word or less email, you know, bullet point, clear subject header. Um, you know, also I I laugh when, um, you know, you ask to see a you know a photo of one of your friend's children. And they pull out their phone, and suddenly they get lost in their last year of photos. Like, oh, let me show. Oh, no, no, no. Let me show you this. One. Let me show you this. Yeah. And then by the end, you like he didn't want to see twenty videos and six photos. He wanted to see yeah. how their child had grown, and appreciate their child for a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, there's so many. What was I mean, the one about finishing a text? Not like if your spouse walks into the room, you. Oh, actually. Well, I we try to I try to really not walk into a room talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, because that you don't realize how much that you know for the person that is in the home when you're like in mid conversation, it's uh, not a great way to greet someone. Um, <laughs> but you're right. But I, it's, I, a, it's a little thing, but I, I think you're right. I mean, we don't think about the effect we're having on each other, or the or our presence, yeah. right? Our presence. Um, that's what's so beautiful about the, you know, even in the technology Shabbats, everyone turns off the phone, all the screens, and you're just, you're very present with each other. Yeah. And um, that's such a gift. It's such a gift today. And our attention is so valuable. And um, one of my favorite thinkers, Howard Rheingold, who talks a lot about technology, he has this great line, pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Mm. And it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um I remember when my father died, there was a lot of people at his funeral that I I hadn't met before, but they all came up to me and shared some story. And what most of them said to me in different ways was, um, your father always made me feel like the most important person in the room. And I feel like today no one makes anyone feel like they're the most important person in the room. Our habits kind of work against that, don't they? Yeah, there's just too many things that mm-hmm. are more important that could happen at any moment. And, you know, and through my mom, you know, just about the emotional connection, which she's taught me so much as being a psychologist. And 
you know, we just we have to pay attention to the emotional connectedness. And, you know, and a lot of people worry about the youth and they're like, oh, the kids, they don't make eye contact and all. I'm in general not so worried about the youth. I feel like we've gone through so many different technologies that have changed the way we've experienced the world. And ultimately, we're humans and we need to make eye contact. That, like we, that they're not going to stop doing have that. to make yeah. it for a child's brain to grow. And if you're in a marriage... You know, you have to make eye contact. You have to connect authentically or else that marriage, it won't work. Yeah. And real relationships require deep connection. And again, this goes back to I believe in humans. I believe we're in this very transformational period with all this technology and that we we need to evolve and create kind of whether you want to call them habits or practices that allow for the connectivity while also utilizing this amazing tool of the Internet. Do you remember, you know, I think a lot these days about how even when, I mean, my children are now 17 and 22, but when, when my children were young, the great fear was that television would rot their brains. Right. And now they are young adults, and in the, in the time, in, as the world has changed in that, in that time, <laughs> if we are all in the same room watching the same TV show, that is quality time, Right. Right. Isn't that funny? <laughs> and we've all made this transition. Um, and it actually is quality time. But there's... Yeah, it's, to experience it something be. together. I mean, I, yeah, I was just thinking about that when I was at Sundance. Just, um, just I watched a whole bunch of movies in a big theater with lots of people, which was so delicious and wonderful to just experience all those things with other people. And it's so much fun to watch that with your family when you really get into a movie or a show together. Yeah, right. It's so wonderful. Um, yeah, but, I mean, television was the big fear. That yeah. was the big fear, which is funny to me now. As I, hardly, I mean, I watched so much television oh, when so my parents I. got divorced. Oh. And that became like the surrogate family that wasn't happening during a very difficult time in my family. Hmm. And, you know, watch the Brady Bunch more than I care to share with you. Um, <laughs> and what about... Hoping, can that be my family? No. Um, <laughs> I mean, just in the heart. But yeah. everyone thought our brains were going to turn to mush. And now yeah. I actually, and my husband and I both, we joke, we don't watch hardly anything. We, we want to get into a show, but we... You, <laughs> Do know, you wish you could watch pod. more television. <laughs> I know. It's funny. So, I, I again, it's like ultimately – I think there's a lot about life cycles, which I've thought a lot about when I've listened to your show too, just about where people are in their lives. And there's so much about life cycles, just where are you – are you rebelling? Are you circling back in because you've just had children? Are you looking for more meaning? Um, yeah. Yeah, are you? Are you and also all the are? amazing ways we – our whole, you know, your perspective starts to change as you age, and you know. Yes. Again, we talk about oh, the love... we talk about the downside, but there's so much of it that's just fascinating. Oh, I love that about getting older. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I feel like it's so beautiful, the layers of of patterns and ideas and perspectives that yeah. you've. That's so great. I want to I want to come back to something. I know we have to wind down here. I, something you said a minute ago about not being worried about the kids, and I'm not either. And I I wonder, like I kind of I suspect um, that whereas those of us who 
had this technology land in the middle of our lives when we were, you know, some a ways into our lives, we, we always feel like we're just catching up, right? It's a it's a frontier mm. we've walked onto. It's a language we mm. have to keep learning, and it's always our second language. But the generations who are growing up with this technology, um, my suspicion, and I wonder if you have any sense of this or experience of this, is that that they are going to be that in their bodies they're going to have a sense they're going to have intuitions and instincts and intelligence mm. Mm. about how to become better integrated and balanced with this and in in fact to do this thing you and I were talking about how to how to grow how, oh, to, how to shape this to shape the world they want to live in yeah i think um we just hired someone at our film studio who's 22 and she is completely you know grew up there's no are you tech savvy you're just it's in your DNA, you know, because it's, but, um, but you do find that. I mean, I meet a lot of young, um, adults who don't bring, they, they got a flip phone. Actually, that's what we got. Yeah, our daughter. Right, we didn't right. get her. They have a flip phone because they just know it's just too much to have. They're like, setting the these boundaries. Yeah, yeah. I meet a lot of them and they're, um, they really see it as something that they can code or create their way into a better world and not in a unrealistic Pollyanna way, but in a way that's empowering. And um, I, mean, I think the whole artisanal culture and the kind of hip boroughs yeah. is a lot about that, right? Just like do it yourself and do it in a more authentic way. Yes. Um, yes. And Applying I think that, that is swinging. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's great. Um, okay, this is this may not make it into the show, but I want to ask about your love of hats. I mean, you look fabulous in hats. But when did you start wearing? Do you wear hats all the time or much of the time? You know, it's an interesting. Oh, it's I actually okay. When I was um, in seventh grade, my mother's father, Herman Lewis, my mom's Carol Lewis, he um, passed away, and I was very close to him. And he used to always wear a beret, and he gave me his beret, and I wore that beret a long time, and then um, I even wore a hat in my eighth grade school photo when we were not allowed to wear hats and I convinced them to wear a hat. <laughs> I'm the only kid in the yearbook wearing a hat. Um, and then it's it's vacillated. Like when I was doing the Webbies, I used to have really long blonde hair and I used to do really funky hairstyles with my hair. I think really to try to say I'm a blonde, blue-eyed person, but I'm not what you think I am mm, um. and I'm going to have an alternative perspective. And then as I've gotten older, wait, let me just turn that. I think something's buzzing in my pocket. Um, <laughs> as I've gotten older, um, I like wearing a hat, and usually it's a men's hat. Um, I just feel like um, <laughs> it's like I've got, um, I can't really just, I wear red lipstick, yeah, yeah, and I wear my hat, and it just makes me feel like going out into the world. And I, I, um, I feel very empowered when I wear it, and I feel good, and I feel like I'm my dress, my outfit is complete. And when I take off my hat, I just I feel different. I can't really describe it, but especially I think when I was directing on the set, or I just feel like it's um maybe it is unusual, but I just feel, and maybe it goes back to wearing it when I was a kid. But I have worn them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I love I love fashion. I love the idea of playing with. Um, the visual, you know, I'm a visual yeah, you uh, are, filmmaker yeah. and artist. Yeah. So to me, it's all like what you're perceiving. And I think it, I mean, I think it's a little bit of an attempt to not be sexualized too. Yeah. Like to I see that. have people not quite know, like I, I don't dress 
I don't dress sexy. That's a word. But I, I like just feeling strong and um, it makes me feel strong and not. Um, yeah. So I think actually being a woman director, I'm, I am doing things like humor and, and there's a there's a sense of um, I'm not what you might think you see. Yeah, that's fun. That's <laughs> fun. I'm glad I asked. Yeah, it's interesting. Right, can I tell you one other thought yeah, on sure. that is um, there was a woman who said, well, isn't that kind of wearing something always around, you know, because the whole issue of like headscarves and, you well, know, right. and, were, I, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, because, you know, they would say, well, they don't want to be sad. <laughs> it was fascinating. To me. I said, what? Oh, that's so fascinating. But to me, I just feel complete when I'm wearing my hat. And my red lips. And it's like, look at my mouth, because I'm saying something. Don't look somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) Look at my eyes. I'm wearing a hat. And don't think of me another way. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so so tell me, I wonder, when you think about technology and human connection, I wonder if there are insights into that, aspects of that, that that are surprising you right now um, that you you couldn't even have known or imagined, you know, five years ago or ten years ago? And what are, are there some things you've been learning um, that feel fresh and kind of take okay, you in the I, next I, direction? I'll tell you, there's one thing I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with how I think about it, which is that we recently have a device in our house called the Alexa. And it's an Amazon speaker that you can verbally say, what's the weather, or put on NPR News, mm. or play mm. Nina Simone, or whatever, and it just does it. Mm. And I've been thinking a lot about, was it the screen that was bothering me? Because suddenly there's this verbal, and it, it's really intuitive, it's, it's, uh, it's really works, like you can say anything and it'll happen. Mm. And um, it's in the center in the kitchen, and it's, it's great if you're cooking, because you can put multiple timers on, which I love. Um, anyways, but <laughs> I've been thinking about, okay, so I don't have a screen, but I'm suddenly interacting with this larger infosphere, and is that too much? Is it, you know, what does that mean? I'm thinking about that a lot. Um, because I think that's going to be soon just commonplace where you're verbally saying all these things into the ether and responses happen. And how is that going to change things? And that um, it's, on, it's only the voice involved? That Yeah, it's just the voice. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think a lot about robotics, obviously, because my husband, you know, makes them and um, there's so many concerns over them. And he's not, again, concerned. He thinks it's going to be a very collaborative relationship on outsourcing things humans don't need to do and humans will still do what of course they need to do which is creative thinking and empathy and all of these other things right um yeah so going back to your question of things that have surprised me i'm always surprised by how powerful and again i think this has to do with the texture was every week i get re-surprised <laughs> <laughs> There's a new look of surprise now <laughs> of just the sense of connection with people, um, with ideas. And then I ultimately feel incredibly connected to the people um, that I meet online, on Twitter, mostly on Twitter, actually. I feel most exposed to new, fresh ideas I wouldn't have interfaced with. Uh, I heard this funny thing that, like, Facebook is who you went to school with and Twitter's <laughs> who you wished you went to school with. <laughs> 
much. Right. Embodies the way I think about the technology. But I don't think I'm getting at the larger question about the bigger surprise, which or. No, no, that's all good. I I think, you know, I made fun of Twitter for such a long time, having not tried it. And it's so counterintuitive in a way that something that. It is, yeah. Right? That forces, which was what I made fun of, that forces anything into that many characters. I think has such it has obviously it's not always poetic and profound, but it has this incredible capacity for poetry and it profundity really, and connection. I, yeah, I feel like it's I'm interfacing with just so many ideas, mm. and it's exciting. It, it actually it's going back to almost like that default mode network where the unusual connections that I look down and I see some idea, and I was just thinking about something else, and then that just joined with that idea, and some new idea will happen, and I'm always like, oh, that was. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So I, I love that. I love that. The idea generation that comes from that. Yeah. How do you think your the, the, the passions you've lived into, um, which, which all, you know, um, have so much to do with technology and our lives with technology and, and connection, um, how do you think all of that has flown in and shaped your sense of what it means to be human? How would you start to talk about that? It's a huge question, but how would you just where would you start to talk about that? I feel through the technology in some ways it's almost in the way that science has given an underpinning to ideas that have been around for a long time and in a lot of ways the technology connecting all all of us and the tactility of the technology is creating this kind of underpinning of our yearning for this larger connecting to something larger than ourselves Hmm. Hmm. does that make sense yeah it's great have you ever heard of have you heard of tiara de chardin do you know of course of course i (laughs) Yeah, I did this film called Idea Porn. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's it's not what it sounds, but um, <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> oh, um, but I go in. Of course, his ideas are revolutionary. But I mean, just this. I mean, in a way, this. I mean, the idea of spiritual evolution, um, and and the idea, his his his. His perception through working with, with the and with a sense a long view of time, right? But with how far yeah. human humanity had come physiologically through evolution, and his sense that the noos that this realm of idea, human creativity and ideas and thought would kind of overlay the biosphere and would transform the biosphere, would transform reality. Um, to mm-hmm. me, that it's 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 a it's it's one way to also talk about what you're proposing. I mean, and I think you have a long view of time as well um, that we should be aiming for in very practical ways in terms of how we live our every day. Yes, I mean it's all the little moments that are tapping into this bigger interdependent network. Mm-hmm. How we tap into it are are the ways that we can infuse the sense of character um, in how we're growing and evolving the Internet and this this larger interdependent system that we're, we're creating that's showing us what already 
is there so deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else? Anything I haven't asked you? No, I, I thank you for, I mean, it's interesting because I really appreciate that, that idea of the bringing the character to the, I mean, it's just interesting when you, I mean, I think our desire with Character Day, um, has been so much about creating this larger framework for this huge conversation. Mm -hmm. But I love this idea that you're talking about, which I think I didn't, like, it's this idea of infusing the character into the internet itself, which kind of ties in all of my... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Um, well, yeah. that, I mean, that, so, yeah, so, you know, steeping, steeping in you, I mean, that's what, that's, that's, I did see that. The, the, no, the, I think you're right, and I just and, I love it when someone points something out. Yeah, like, yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, I, it's been I, I'm I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and it's been really fun, you know, watching oh, your films and reading you, and and then uh, uh, talking. I only wish I really wanted. I was half tempted, but the whole sentencing, I was gonna fly out. <laughs> I, well, you know, I haven't been to. I know it's cold there right now. Which is it's not that cold. It's, they, they make that up. It, it builds character, is what it does. It you builds appreciate character. That. Well, my parents are from Detroit, so yeah. I, I heard about. Yeah, I'm but sure we will ever, meet. I'm sure. I would just love that because my. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, if we could do the interview and then have a long meal together, which would be so much fun. So if you're ever in San Francisco, yeah. we. I hope you will let me know, and and if I'm ever in mid Midwest, I'd absolutely, we would love to, you to come. We have a beautiful studio, and we're 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 creating something kind of exciting here. But oh, I will so I will great. absolutely be out on the West Coast, and I'll call you. And I'm just so I glad would love we that. Did this. I'll have you over for Shabbat. Okay, <laughs> all right. I won't bring that my would phone. Be, <laughs> don't bring your phone, but you'll have yummy hala. Yes, all right. If you're not gluten free, like everyone is here, but. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for everything you're doing and for this conversation. Oh, and thank you. I just I enjoy your shows so much. It's so valuable. <laughs> we'll let you know what's going on with this, and I'm sure we'll be in okay. touch again. Okay. All right. Okay. Have a great Take weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.